Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. If you ever uh, go to a sporting event that's being uh, televised and you walk around the stadium, you'll note that there are many different cameras located in many different positions throughout the stadium so that they can get uh, shots from different angles. And all of these uh, views from different angles go back to a control center which has uh, a number of screens on it each one of them showing the different angle that the shot is being taken from because it's being taken from a different portion of the stadium. And then there's someone there who is a uh, director who picks which shots to show on the actual broadcast, controlling um, what you see uh, and what he thinks is the most important for you to see. Now, each of us uh, has the capabilities of a camera, a video camera. We walk around and we look and we see. Uh, we're kind of limited to our one perspective though because we're also not just the camera, we are the camera box. And we may be able to walk around but we still only have this one uh, perspective. So depending on where you're sitting in a football game, for instance, uh, there are different things that you notice. There are different things that you see, and you come away uh, with a certain point of view as to what occurred. Uh, different things are more emphasized for you uh, because they're closer to you, or you're able to see them more easily. Well, perspective is a very important uh, matter. How do we see things? And how do we see things over time? What actually happens to the way we perceive things? How does our perception um, go after periods of time? Well, a lot about perception has to do with our consciousness. We perceive things dependent on the state of our consciousness. What do I mean? I mean that if you are a being who is within the grasp of the animal portion of ourselves, the lower portion of ourselves, you perceive things from the perspective that an animal perceives things. And how does an animal perceive things? Well, it's quite simply. Can I eat that? Can I use that? What will that do for me? Um, how do I need that in the way I do things? What purpose will that serve for me? Uh, a coyote passes a squirrel and it sees lunch. There are different perspectives. A insan kamal 
a divine, a, a human being with divine qualities, when he sees situations, sees from a different perspective. His perspective might be, how can I aid this situation? How can I help this situation? What can I do to relieve the sorrow in this situation? What can I do to relieve the pain in this situation? How can I intervene to make things better for the people around here? Well, one perception is how can I make things better for me? And the other perception is how can I make things better for everyone else? Different perceptions. Now, the reason there are different perceptions is because of the different states of consciousness the perceiver is in. One of the things that we need to understand, quite an important point, is that the lower self sees things through the maze of the mind, while the elevated self sees things through the clarity of the love of the heart. And each of those different ways of perceiving has an influence on what's actually perceived. In other words, the mind puts a spin on things in order for you to be able to be okay with what you've done, uh, to be able to reconcile your actions, to be able to live with the situation without feeling remorse or pain from your own misdeeds. How's it do it? Well, if you've ever uh, been involved with uh, a criminal trial, for instance, the standard in uh, the United States has to do with the evidence that's presented. And the evidence that needs to be presented in prosecution of a criminal case is beyond a reasonable doubt. So the attempt is made by the defense attorney to create doubt uh, so that he can bring about a result that he wishes to bring about. And how does he do this? Well, he begins by collecting all the evidence that he can get. Then he takes the evidence and he goes through it and he looks at it and he says, well, this is incriminating and this is not incriminating. If I present things this way, it looks like he did it. If I present things this way, it looks like he might not have done it. So his job is to present 
things in a way that make the accused look as if he didn't commit whatever crime occurred. He tries to bring a perspective to the situation that sheds light on only the things that recuse the, the guilt of the accused, that somehow excuse what he did, that somehow build a case for his innocence. Well, believe it or not, the mind does this automatically for each of us. Especially and essentially if our consciousness is in the lower level. The mind makes excuses for everything that we do so that it reconciles what we in fact did. One of the most obvious ways that the mind does it is it will pull your actions out of the equation and will only show you the actions of the others in reaction to what happened. Now, if somebody does something horrible and there are horrible reactions and you pull out the person who caused these reactions, what do you see? You see a whole group of people acting horribly towards the one standing in the middle of it. And if you don't know what he did, and if you're blinded to that, all of a sudden, everyone's actions are inappropriate, and these are really nasty people. Why are you even with them? They don't know how to act. They don't know how to be appropriate. And you've taken this onslaught from all of these people, and what did you do? You were just there. Well, psychologically, there is even names for these kinds of things, where people forget what they did and are not conscious of what they do when they cross a certain line. So everything that comes at them, they feel is non-appropriate. They feel is somehow abusive. They feel is somehow violating them, when in fact, the violation came from them towards others. The heart, on the other hand, doesn't cloud reality. The heart becomes a witness for what goes on. And this is the reason that we have to have an impartial witness outside of the mind to watch us as we go through our existence. Because if we don't have this witness to the side of us that sees what's going on, we will not see it because it's the mind's automatic nature to wipe away from us everything that we do that we shouldn't have done. The violations are made into something else. And that's why in political races, people don't talk about what they did. They talk about what an idiot the other person is. 
They don't talk about what they do. They talk about what the other person won't do or will do, depending on the spin they want to put on it. And that's why they're called spin doctors. And the ultimate spin doctor in your favor is your mind. It will spin every situation to make you the victim or to make you the one who's non-culpable. Knowing this, being aware of this, can change our nature. Because if we're aware of this, then we begin to realize how important it is to watch ourselves. How important it is that when certain automatic reactions begin to occur, that we need to remove ourselves from situations. Someone who gets angry very easily has to spot when that anger is about to erupt and needs to know when to run away. <coughs> run away from what they will do, not run away from what others will do. The focus of this camera that we have, which is constantly looking out, has to be turned inward. And this takes a very powerful act of our own consciousness to do that because we've been set up to look out. We've been set up to see in front of us, not inside of us. So to be able to see inside of us instead of in front of us takes conscious, intentional effort to turn things around in a way that we have never turned things around since we were infants because of the way we're set up, which is to look out. So from looking out, we have to learn how to look in, how to turn the normative way that we have with dealing with situations to an entirely different way. Instead of it's always about protecting me, it becomes what can I do for those around me. Instead of fulfilling my needs and my desires, it has to do with fulfilling the needs and, the, and, and soothing the pain of those around us. To find individuals who actually do this is rare. There are lots of people who wear collars and robes and are in the business of supposedly helping others, but these collars and robes are disguises so that they can do their inward bidding in a public way and they find a place to hide themselves so they can do this. In the United States, we've had a terrible uh, problem uh, with the Catholic Church and pedophilia, where men went into the church 
supposedly for altruistic reasons and their reasoning ends up being to fulfill their own basest of desires. But it's not unusual that clerics do things that are other than what is supposed to be done. In certain parts of the world, you cannot uh, say certain things. You cannot act in certain ways publicly. But if you do it in a hidden way, you can get away with it. In the United States, Satan can walk down the street because of the freedom uh, that we have here as to self-expression. And he can say, I am Satan. And those who wish to follow me come on this side of the street. In a place where Satan is constantly preached against, Satan can't walk down the street and say, I am Satan, because they would kill him or attempt to kill him. So what does he do? He takes on clerical garb. He becomes dressed like an imam or a priest. And then he can preach satanic preaching to the populace under the guise of religion. The Quran says, it's either in the Quran or Hadith, that Satan can recite the entire Quran except for one ayat. So we need to understand that constantly there is self-interest and self-motive coming out of people, including ourselves. Now it's easiest to blame others for their self-motives. It's easiest to point at others for what they're doing. It's most difficult to look at ourselves and ask forgiveness for ourselves. The problem is that we as beings, especially in the, in the lower levels of consciousness as we ascend towards more godlike qualities, we despise pain, we fear pain, and when we see our actions that are inappropriate in moments of recognition, we feel pain. And unless we have the courage to go through the pain of our previous actions, we cannot go beyond them because the pain sets off an automatic reactor in our brain that shuts off the knowledge of those actions, that doesn't allow us to see what we were actually capable of, that takes away from us our guilt as to what went on and blames others. Once we understand this nature, then we should understand my only way to save myself is to leave this consciousness and move on to a higher way of understanding things. Move on to a higher level 
of seeing the world. Move on to a higher level of seeing humanity. Move on to a higher level of understanding our own interaction with all of that which is around us. Consciousness is our savior. The ability to move towards Allah, to become closer and closer towards Allah, is what will bring us from the depths of our animal self to the, to the heights of his qualities. We have to make that movement. We have to keep ourselves elevated into the realms of his qualities as opposed to the animal qualities. May Allah help us do this. May he help us see that this is the only way for us. May he, may he make it a thirst inside of ourselves that he will quench by showing us his way and his qualities. Amin, amin, ya Rabbil Amin. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.